Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. Hope you're having a great day today. So glad that you've chosen to join us. My name is Trent, if you're new with us, and I'm one of the pastors here at Epic, and I'm going to be guiding us today in our message. We're in this series called God Is, and we're continuing in that today. And we are trying our best to correct some of the misperceptions that we have about God. And if you think about it, there are many. There are many ways that we misunderstand the God that we're trying to serve. And as we misunderstand God, we do some weird things based upon those misperceptions. Some of us blame God for things that aren't his fault. Others of us have a bad experience with another Christian or a bad experience with a church, and we take that out on God. And there are some of us that distance ourselves from God, thinking one thing about him and that's, that thing is not true, and yet we distance ourselves from him. And if you think about it in our terms, if that were happening to us, we would say, hey, not fair. If someone were distancing themselves from us based upon bad information, we'd say, hey, like, that's not fair. Why, why would you think that about me? Why wouldn't you get to know me for who I really am? Why would you believe that when that's not true? And so in this series, what we're trying to do is understand, better understand the God that we are trying to serve. And I think we owe it to ourselves, but more importantly, I think we owe it to God to do that, to really understand him the way that he wants to be understood. Now, if you are new to Christianity or you're exploring Christianity, uh, hopefully today's message is going to answer some questions about Christianity. Today's message is going to be very foundational, what it means to, to be a Christ follower and what it means to be in that relationship with God, what it means to interact with him and interact with others that claim to be Christ followers. We're actually going to explore something that has intrigued, has confused, has mesmerized people for thousands of years. We're going to explore what is called the Godhead, the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And if you've ever wondered, like, I wonder how they relate to each other. Like, I, I wonder Jesus' role in this whole Godhead relationship. I wonder, like, how does the Holy Spirit fit in to this? Then today we're going to explore that together and try to answer some of those questions. So now as as we do this, and this is a little disclaimer I probably should have given all throughout this message series, but anytime we try to explain God, we have to understand that our words are always going to fall short. So how do we, created beings, finite beings, describe a God that's infinite? How do we describe a God that, that cannot be understood fully by us. I mean, how do we comprehend a God who would willingly die for us while we are shaking our fists at him saying, leave me alone? Like, I wouldn't do that for people. You wouldn't do that for somebody else. So how do we understand a God and how do we describe a God who would do that? So just know today, if you get to the end of today's message or you're out at lunch today talking with somebody going, yeah, he fell short. Like, I agree with you, okay? I, I get it. I'm going to fall short today. My words just aren't going to fully describe the God that we're trying to serve. My words aren't going to do God justice. 
So what I ask you to do this morning is I ask that you pray for me as I do my best to, to talk about God as revealed in scripture. And then I ask that you pray for all of us that we would understand God the way that he wants to be understood. So let's pray together and then we'll dive in. God, here I stand this morning in this spot just with all humility saying, God, I, I don't fully grasp what it is to be in a relationship with you. I don't fully grasp your nature and your qualities. And uh, Lord, today what we're going to explore in the Godhead, that relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, Lord, I just admit, like, I don't fully get that. And many of us don't. And yet in order for us to have a, a strong relationship with you, in order for us to have a strong relationship with each other, we need to understand that more fully in our lives. So Lord, I pray that today you would help us to see you in this relationship, in the Godhead, in a whole new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, three weeks ago, we explored the nature of the great I am. And we watched God introduce himself to Moses, and he said, listen, I am who I am. And Moses was a little bit confused by that, and we learned in that message that we go back as far in time as possible, that we can humanly go back and we get to God. So God has always existed and God will always exist. God lives outside of our concept of time and space because God created those things. We also learned that God will not be defined by us. God will not live in the little box that we try to put him in. God is, is bigger than that. He lives outside of our misconceptions about him. God is who God is, not who we want him to be. Over the past two weeks, we learned that God is a father. And Tim did a great job of showing us the father's love for prodigal children. And the reality is all of us are prodigal children. All of us have turned away from God and gone on our own path away from him. And God is a loving father who can't wait to welcome all of us back home. And then last week, we saw how Jesus stepped in to rescue someone in a moment that they did not, to be, did not deserve to be rescued. They hadn't earned it. They didn't deserve it at all. And we learned that God does that with us. God steps in to rescue us in those moments when we don't deserve it. And we learned that God is for us. God is not against us. Now, today, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, a place that we've been before, but um, we're just going to briefly hit that as we explore the nature of the Godhead. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, in the beginning, God. So again, before there was a beginning to be at, God was already here. In the beginning, God, he created. He created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So all throughout Genesis chapter 1, God speaks and says, let there be, and then whatever God says, let there be, happens. So uh, light bursts into existence at the word of God. The sky was formed, water appeared, land came together, plants were created, the seasons happened, animals were made. Whatever God said happened. And I just love that about our God. If God has said something, you can be sure 
It's going to happen. It may not happen when you want it. It may not happen how you want it, but it will happen because God has spoken. Verse 26 says, God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So we have an interesting twist in the creation story. So in verse one, we see God there in the beginning creating. In verse two, we see the spirit of God hovering over the surface of the waters. And then verse 26 comes along and we all start scratching our heads going, what? Like, where does this plurality come from? So we get this introduction of a plurality to the Godhead. Now, In John chapter one, we're going to jump over there for just a moment because John chapter one is going to give us further explanation of Genesis chapter one. So listen to what John one one says. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. We're going to jump down to verse 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So verse 14 tells us who the word is. The word is Jesus. Now, we're going to read back through those first two verses of John chapter 1, putting Jesus in it. So if you have a Bible at home, or if you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to write Jesus right above where it says the word. Okay, so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the word. We're talking about Jesus. In the beginning, Jesus already existed. Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus existed in the beginning with God. So at creation, we see the work of God the Father. We see the work of the Spirit, and we see the work of Jesus all together involved in creation. And if you haven't guessed by now, what we're exploring is the Trinity relationship, the reality that God exists as three in one, three distinct persons, and yet one God, that relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, there is a lot of confusion in the world about the Trinity. There's a lot of confusion in church world when it comes to the Trinity relationship. There are some people that say, you know, Jesus was just a created being. He was a prophet. He was a man. He never claimed to be God. There's others who say that Jesus was created as an angel and he transitioned into a human and then transitioned back into an angel. There are some that say the Holy Spirit is just a force in the universe, kind of like if you're a Star Wars fan, use the force. The Holy Spirit is just a force. Somehow you tap into the force. You're not exactly sure what he is, but somehow it's there to help you in those moments of need. Others say that the Holy Spirit is just another name for God's spirit, kind of like we have a spirit, and the Holy Spirit is just God's spirit, but not a uh, a separate being. Christianity is the only faith system that claims that God exists in a relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three distinct persons and yet one God. 
Now, I want to take a few moments to explain the role of Jesus and the role of the Holy Spirit in the Godhead. So when we talk about Jesus on Sundays, we talk about the Holy Spirit on Sundays. I want us to to have a better understanding of what we're talking about, because sometimes we'll say Jesus, and, and we're not exactly sure what that means and what his role is. This will give us a framework to operate under. So as we move forward together in studying anything in Scripture that where Jesus comes up, the Holy Spirit comes up, God the Father comes up, we have a framework to see this through, okay? So three weeks ago, we explored the God who introduced himself as I am. And what, what an answer. Moses goes like, I don't even know your name. Like, what's your name? And God goes, I am. Like, how profound. I mean, there's so much in that that we can't even fully comprehend. Not I was, not I will be, but I am. I am who I am. I am who I'm, I'm always, who I've always been, and not who you just want me to be, not the label that you put on me, but I am. In John chapter 8, Jesus was talking with uh, some Israelites who had worshiped the great I am. And he has this conversation with them, and he says this very strange thing. So, so like, put yourself in this spot. You're an Israelite. You're, you've understood the great I am. You've understood that story, how God introduced himself to Moses. And you're talking to Jesus, and Jesus makes this statement, okay? So in John 8, verse 58, Jesus says, listen, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was ever born, I am. All right, so Jesus is saying, listen, like here I'm alive now. Abraham lived a long time ago. Before Abraham ever lived, I am. Jesus used the exact words that God the Father used when he introduced himself to Moses, the exact words. And the Israelites listening to this, they were furious. You see, in Jesus' day, it was a crime to make yourself equal to God. So if you ever came out and got a little bit, you know, had a, had a you know, inflated self-esteem day, like, I'm pretty cool. I'm pretty awesome. Almost up there with God. Everybody else around you would pick up a stone ready to kill you. I mean, you never made statements like that. The Israelites were ready to kill Jesus for that statement. And Jesus knew that. He knew that he would step on some nerves the moment he said, I am. And if that weren't true, Jesus could have easily said, listen, let me correct. You know, there's some some misperception about me. I'm just a created being. I'm a prophet. I'm telling people about God. Or I was created as an angel. uh, So I'm just telling people about God. Jesus could have done that. But he didn't. He chose his words carefully. He knew exactly the words that God the Father used to talk to Moses. And he used those exact words to describe to the Israelites around him who he really was. Now listen to Philippians chapter two. Starting in verse six, talking about Jesus. It says, though he was God, again, talking about Jesus, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Now let that settle for just a moment. Though he was God, he didn't hold on to that and say, I'm holding on to this, I'm God. I'm gonna show up on planet Earth and tell them what they need to do, how they need to live. That's something you and I would do, something I would do. But instead, verse seven says, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Now, in order for Jesus to give up something, he would have to have it. He would have to be in his possession if he's gonna give it up. 
And so in this moment, he gives up divine privileges, meaning he is divine. Now, there are only two types of beings in existence in our universe. There are divine beings and there are created beings. There are only three divine beings, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All other beings are created beings, angels, humans, animals, that cockroach you keep trying to kill, but it keeps showing up. You know, it just, it just won't go away. All other beings are created beings. And so again, for Jesus to give up divine privileges means that he had divine privileges to give up. We're not talking about an angel here. We're not talking about a prophet. We're talking about God himself. So Jesus, as a divine being, the second member of the Godhead, look at what he does when he gives up these divine privileges. And think about this through the filter of your life. Would you do this? He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So Jesus said, listen, I'm going to give up my divine privileges. When I come to planet Earth, I'm just going to come to serve. I'm going to come to serve those people that I help create so that they can have a relationship with God again. I'm going to die so they can live. I mean, would you do that? I, I, I know I wouldn't, but God did. Jesus gave up his divine privileges and came to humble himself and die on a cross so we can live. Verse nine says, therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So there should be no question from these verses, what the Bible teaches about Jesus. He's not a created being. We're talking about divinity here. This is the second member of the Godhead. And as the second member of the Trinity relationship, listen to how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit. In John 16, Jesus was talking with some of his followers, and he's telling them, listen, I'm about to go back to heaven, and I'm about to leave you. And they're all confused, going like, how could this be a good thing? And Jesus says, listen, it's best for you that I go away. And they're going, how could that be a good thing? I mean, we have you here now. We see your miracles. I mean, we can touch you, feel you, talk to you, listen to you. This is great. And Jesus says, something better is coming. Something better is going to happen. Because if I don't go, the advocate, meaning the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Now listen to how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. In verse nine, the world's sin. If you've ever wondered, like, like what's the unpardonable sin? Here it is. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. It's the only sin that God can't forgive. Refusing to believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that Jesus is God in the flesh and he died so we can live. Verse 13, Jesus continued and he said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. 
He will not speak on, on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. So Jesus is making it very clear that the, that the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Godhead, that the Holy Spirit is a divine being. He's not just a force that, that you can maybe tap into out there. He's not just a description of God the Father's spirit. He is the third person of the Trinity. Now, when we're trying to understand something that is difficult to understand, it's often helpful to think about what that thing is not. So uh, follow that thought with me for just a moment. We're going to try to come in the back door and look at the Trinity from a different perspective. The Trinity does not mean that God is a shapeshifter. Do we have any uh, X-Men fans out there? Yeah, a few X-Men. Okay, so, so God is not um, a, a mutant that you know, changes, uh, morphs to, to change whatever is needed in that situation. So God doesn't change into Jesus whenever Jesus is needed. He doesn't change into the Holy Spirit whenever the Holy Spirit is needed. And we see that best at Jesus' baptism. So Jesus is on planet Earth. He comes up to his cousin, John, and says, hey, I need to be baptized. And that, that demonstrated a remission of sins. And obviously, Jesus didn't need to, to uh, turn from sins. He was perfect. But it, he modeled that for us. So it demonstrated that. And he said, listen, I need to be baptized. And John goes, like, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, no, this is what needs to happen. And so John baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes up out of the water. The Holy Spirit shows up in the form of a dove, lands on Jesus. And then God the Father parts the heavens and says, this is my son who I am so proud of. So God did not morph in that moment into Jesus, into the Holy Spirit, and, and back into this voice booming from the heavens. So God is not a shape shifter. The Godhead exists as three distinct persons, distinct in role and in function. God the Father is not Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not God the Father or the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not God the Father. So again, God is not a shapeshifter. The Trinity also does not mean that we serve three gods. There's some people that go to that extreme. Say, well, apparently we serve three gods. We, we don't. The Bible is clear on this. Deuteronomy 6, 4 clearly says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, is one. We serve one God. And we all go, what? Like I, like I was tracking with you there for a moment. And then all of a sudden, you like turned a corner. Like, where are we again? Like, I'm not so sure. There's all kinds of illustrations out there to help us understand God. And some of those illustrations are actually helpful. Some illustrations are actually wrong in, in theology and they actually lead us down a wrong road. Um, so again, every illustration is going to fall short. Every time we try to, to capture God and, and explain him, we're going to fall short in that. But one of the best illustrations that I've heard is uh, a family. So, so a family is one of the better illustrations I've heard it to help us understand that relationship between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, this Trinity relationship. Now, what's going to come up on the screen is a picture of my family. Um, you see my wife and I, um, 
and then our four kids. And so uh, let me ask this. When you look at the screen, you look at, at my family there, how many families do you see? It's not a trick question. If you had a bad night last night, you were out too late doing stuff you shouldn't do, you might see two families, but there's really only one family up there, okay? All right, so when you look at my family, there's one family there. There are six members to my family, but there's only one family. The same is true with the Godhead. There are three members of the Godhead, each having a distinct role and function in God's family, but there is only one Godhead. I hope that makes a little sense to you. I hope that's starting to, to clear up some, some of the, the, the muddiness that can be around this, this subject. Now, um, it, you might be sitting here thinking, like, like, what's this matter? Like, who cares? Like, who cares if, if Jesus was created or if Jesus is a divine being? How does that impact my life? Who cares if the Holy Spirit is really a divine being or just a force out there? I mean, like, does it matter? Well, it matters, and here's how it matters. The Bible teaches the reality of the Trinity. Jesus taught the reality of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit teaches and confirms and points us to the reality of the Trinity. And if the Trinity is not real, then what's recorded in the Bible is false. And we shouldn't believe the Bible. Our faith has nothing to stand on because our faith stands on the Bible. So our, our Bible shouldn't be believed if the Trinity is not real. And our faith is on thin ice. Like, what are we really believing in if the Trinity is not real and it's not backed up in Scripture? Think about this. If Jesus isn't God, then a created being died for us. That wouldn't be any more significant than if I died for you or you died for me. That wouldn't, it wouldn't get us out of the sin that has separated us from our relationship with God. But since the Trinity is real, God gave up his divine privileges. Again, God gave up his divine privileges, came to planet Earth, humbled himself, took your sin, took my sin, said, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, that thing you did last summer? Yep, I'll take it. Yeah, that way that you treated that person that wasn't good? Yeah, that horrible thing that you think you can never be forgiven for? I'll take it. I'll take it as if I did it. And I will die for your sins so that you can be restored to God, so that you can have eternal life. And eternal life only comes through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Again, if Jesus was just a created being, his death means nothing. It means nothing. But because he's a divine being, it means everything. And if the Holy Spirit weren't a divine being, then he couldn't teach us about Jesus. He couldn't convict us of sin. He couldn't empower us to live the way that God wants. And he could not guarantee our eternal salvation. Our faith is built upon the reality of the Trinity. Here's another reason why this is so important. Ephesians chapter one, verse five says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. So that's the Godhead that we're, we've been talking about. This is God's family here. And he did that by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. 
Again, God's family is a trinity relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to imagine with me for just a moment. Let's just imagine that we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit on stage with me where we can all see them, okay? I want you to imagine what their relationship is like. Like, what's it like for these three to interact with each other? I mean, like, what's going on as, as they're talking with each other? Is there any junk in the Trinity? Is there any dysfunction going on between them? Are there any power struggles happening? Is there any trash talk happening behind somebody else's back? I mean, is the Holy Spirit saying, like, why does everything have to be about Jesus? I mean, I do stuff too. Is Jesus saying, like, why does it always have to be God the Father's way? I mean, I told him I didn't want to die. I said, if there's any other way. And he said, no, I had to do it. You know, is God the Father up there saying, like, like why is everybody so hip and cool on Jesus? You know, they got the Jesus bobbleheads and Jesus t-shirts and bumper stickers. And why is everybody loving the Holy Spirit but dissing me? There is no dysfunction in the Trinity. There is no dysfunction in that relationship. God the Father is always praising God the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is always making over the Father and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always pointing people to Jesus and God the Father. The only dysfunction that happens in the Godhead is the dysfunction that we bring into it. Again, Ephesians 1.5. It says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. So if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have been invited into a perfect relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's why how we live is so incredibly important. A Christian who doesn't live like a Christian does damage to God's family. So in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed. He prayed this. So I'm praying not only for these disciples, meaning the ones that were around him right there in that moment, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then when Jesus prayed that prayer, he was praying for you. In verse 21, he said, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. So when we live the way that God wants us to, when we resolve conflict that arises, when we speak truth to each other in love, when we humbly serve each other, when we do everything we can to preserve the unity of God's family, the world takes notice. The world looks at that relationship that we have with each other and our relationship with God and goes, what is that all about? Like, I don't get that. I want some of that. That's amazing. I don't, I don't see that in my other relationships. I would love to be a part of something like that. So that's why how we live in God's family matters so much. Listen to how the late Chuck Colson described the Trinity in his book called The Faith. He said, 
The essence of the God of the Bible is his intertwined triune nature of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The three continuously pour out love to one another and receive love in return. The Trinity exists as a perfect community of self-giving. In this life, Christians enjoy participation in this community through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And then he continues by saying, in the world to come, we will be united with the Godhead in perfect love. The Trinity is our final hope. What could be more central to our faith? So being a Christian not only means that we believe in the Trinity, it also means that we do everything we can to live inside that relationship in a way that honors the Trinity, in a way that honors God, in a way that honors other people around us, in a way that other people outside of the Trinity look in and go, wow, I want some of that. I would love to be a part of a relationship like that. Now, if, if you claim to be a Christ follower, I'm going to ask you some closing rhetorical questions. And if you would say, like, hey, I'm just here on vacation. Like, I'm not really a believer in Jesus. Just got drug here this morning. Guess what? You're off the hook. But for everybody else, get your seatbelts buckled. How are you living inside God's family? What kind of a family member are you? Perfect time to evaluate. Just a little self-evaluation moment. How are you doing inside God's family? Are you doing damage to the Trinity relationship? Are you resolving conflict in a way that honors the God who invited you into that perfect relationship? Are you doing everything you can to live in such a way that people outside God's family want to be inside God's family? Are there people at work that watch you and go, not really interested in God because apparently God's not working for you? Or do people see you and go, wow, what do you have? Like, I know you're not perfect, but like, what do you have? You've got something going on. There's some relationship thing that you're in that I don't understand. I would love to know more about it. Are people drawn to God because of how you live? Or are they pushed away from him? How we live inside God's family just might be someone else's final hope for all of eternity. So how we live matters. The Trinity matters. It's our final hope. Nothing could be more central to our faith. Now, I hope that today's message has helped us to understand God just a little bit more. So again, as we go forward and we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about God the Father, hopefully we have a little bit of a framework to understand. When we're talking about Jesus, when we read a passage about Jesus, or you're, you're reading on your own and you see Jesus, the name Jesus come out, you know you're, you're reading about divinity, God who became flesh. And when you read about the Holy Spirit, you're not just reading about some force out there that you know you got to close your eyes and try to tap into. You're reading about a real being that you can have a relationship with and the Holy Spirit can help you live out the life that God wants you to live. So um, here's what I know as I finish today. I know that I have not answered all your questions. 
I know that you're going to walk out of here going like, I got a few more questions that you didn't even answer. Like, I get that. I've got more questions about the Trinity, but I love studying the Trinity, and I hope that you'll become a student of that. So for those of you who want to study more about the Trinity and its role in our lives, we put together a spiritual growth challenge, something that we make available each week. And on that, we've got some Bible verses that we've looked at today, as well as a few more. There's actually some other resources, some books that I recommend that you read about that, that can help you understand how you should relate to the Trinity and how we should relate to each other as being a part of God's family together. So you can pick up a copy of that at our Connection Center before you leave today, or you can download it from our website. I hope you'll do that, and I hope that you'll become a lifelong student of the Trinity relationship. And as you read the Bible and find evidence of it, I hope you'll get excited and see, hey, it, it, it's here again, and here it is over here again, and here it is over here again, and I hope that you will learn more and more about that Trinity relationship and how we should interact with it. Now, next week, we are going to wrap up this series um, in, in kind of a profound way um, in that a lot of the stuff that we study about God, his attributes are, are fantastic. We lean into him. We love him. You know, we love understanding that God is father and he welcomes us as prodigal kids home. Like, that's great. We love when God is for us and steps in to protect us in moments when we don't deserve it. That's awesome. I love that. But what we're going to study next week is one of the aspects of God that we hate the most about him. We fight him over this aspect. There are many people who've walked away from God because of this one aspect, and we don't understand it, and we're not exactly sure what to do with it, and yet we desperately need it. We desperately need it. So I hope you are intrigued enough to come back and enjoy the journey next week with us as we discover this one last attribute that we're going to do in this series. So let's wrap up in prayer, and then our worship team will come out and guide us in the song. God, uh, Lord, I'm so grateful for the reality of your written word that we have it to, to stand on, that we have it to lean on, that we have it to, to get a, a better idea of who you really are. Lord, in scripture, we get more than just glimpses of you. We get to see you. We get to see how you interact with us. We get to see how you interact in that Trinity relationship, something that confuses us because, Lord, we've never seen a relationship like that. And yet as we watch the relationship between the Godhead, between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that's what we desire and need the most. So, Lord, I'm grateful that you've invited us into that perfect relationship. And you ask as members of that perfect relationship that we interact with you in a way that honors you, that we interact with each other in a way that honors that perfect relationship. Lord, we're not perfect and we're going to mess up, but you ask that we do everything we can through the power of the Holy Spirit to clean up any messes that we create, to resolve any conflict, to speak truth and love to each other, to learn how to praise each other, lift each other up and to live inside your family the way that you live inside the Trinity. So Lord, as we go into our week, I pray that we'll take some of this truth with us. Lord, we still have lots of questions. There's lots of things we don't understand. But Lord, I pray that we would take a big step in your direction through faith through trusting you in those moments we can't comprehend you, but we just say, listen, I'm going to trust you anyway. 
And Lord, I pray this week that you would help us to understand how to live our daily lives at home or maybe at work or maybe at at school, that we would learn to live as members of that perfect relationship that you've invited us into. So Lord, show us how to do that. Show us how to interact with you in a way that really honors you. Show us how to interact with each other in a way that honors each other. And show us how to interact, Lord, so that people outside of your family will want to be inside your family. So Lord, we take a step in your direction, trusting you even when we don't fully comprehend you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I was thinking about uh, one of the verses in that song, so simple, it just says, I will trust in you when we're talking about God, our heavenly father. I took it back a notch and I said, would I trust in my earthly father with his imperfections and everything like that? Like I probably would. And then I think about my perfect heavenly father. Would I trust in him? And I would. And maybe that's something that you need to take home with you this week and maybe just kind of wrestle with that, think about that, pray about that. Would you trust in your perfect heavenly father? Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Chris, and I've got just a couple of announcements for you before we uh, go ahead and release you today. Well, yesterday, uh, we were over at uh, PC3, and we put 30-plus students and adults on a bus, and we shipped them on over to Panama City to a youth camp called Big Stuff. So I just ask that you'd be in prayer for our students this week, um, that they would experience God in a profound way. You know, middle school and high school years are such challenging years, probably the most challenging years that our kids will go through. And it's camp experiences like this that really um, help them build relationships with other students and help them grow in their relationship with God. And these things will help them in the roadblocks that life's going to throw at them in the years to come. So be in, be in prayer for them. And I would say probably pray for the adults as well. Now, they're there being God's servants. They're mentors for our kids, and they're pouring in and investing in our kids. And I know I got a call from my oldest son at 1 o'clock this morning because he couldn't find something that was packed in his bag. And I said, it's 1 o'clock. What are you doing? Oh, we're getting ready for bed soon. So let's be praying for the adults. They're having a good time over there. They're going to come back. Uh, they'll probably need a double dose of the coffee over there. So anyway, a couple weeks ago, we asked you, uh, uh, segueing with our uh, surge ministry, we asked you to bring in a bunch of candy for a parade that's coming up. Now, our kids are getting home on July 2nd, and then that leads right into the July 4th parade in Flagler Beach on Friday morning. They're going to have their float there, and uh, I would just ask that you come out and support them. You guys were so gracious to bring all this candy. Watch them throw out the candy at everybody. They're going to hand out some literature about Epic. They're going to be a great representation of our youth ministry. So if you get a chance to do that, head on down to Flagler Beach on Friday morning to support the parade. If you look on your seats, you're going to see a little half sheet of paper. This is our announcement sheet. And what this does is it covers all the things that are going on this particular month. So each month we put a new one out. And what it really is, it helps you kind of keep in the loop and stay in tune with what's going on here at Epic. We can't go over everything during announcement time. We'd probably bore you to death. So we want you to take that home, read it over, throw it up on the refrigerator, has dates, times, locations, things like that. Just kind of keep you in, in touch with what's going on. Now, if you've been coming to Epic for a while and you call Epic home and you want to give back and support what we do here, there's two ways you can do that. If you go to our website, which is theepicchurch.com, there's a giving tab and you can choose to uh, donate electronically that way. Or if you want to use the giving boxes at the end of the seating sections on the tables, that'd be great as well. Now, if you're new with us, 
please feel no obligation to give whatsoever. Let this service be our gift to you. The only thing that I would ask of you is that maybe if you get a chance, we have a connection center in the back over here. On the way out, pop by over there. Let us meet you personally and and provide you with a little more information about who we are and what we are here at Epic. Now, um, next week, we are going to be wrapping up our series. So I ask you, come on back, check it out. And as you leave, say hi to somebody you don't know, somebody you don't know real well. And uh, that's about it. Thank you very much. Have a great Sunday, everybody.